On your Wednesday episode of Locked on Raptors, it's been 10 games now since Jakob Pertle arrived in Toronto. And on today's show, we are going to dig into what we've learned about the Raptors in that 10-game period. Are the Raptors vastly improved enough to really justify this team going forward? What has Yak done to the team and what has he meant? And also, what have all the other guys done in response to Jakob Pertle's arrival? That's all coming up on today's episode with Katie Heindel of Diamond Basketball Feelings. Let's get to it. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1355 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, March the 8th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I'm covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps, all the usual suspects, Apple, Google, etc. And we are on YouTube. You can go uh, watch the videos each and every day of Locked On Raptors. Look at my face, look at the faces of my guests, and all of that good stuff. Interact in the comments. We are pushing towards 3,000 subs on the YouTube channel. So thank you very, very much to all of those who have uh, supported and helped to build up that subscriber base and our little Locked On Raptors family. All right. On today's show, the Toronto Raptors are now 10 games into the Acapurtle experience. We're going to dig into the things we've learned, the things we hope to still learn by a season's end, and so much more with the wonderful Katie Heindel of Dime and Basketball Feelings, the New York freaking times that still is not going to get old. I'm I'm going to keep using that for a long time, Katie. Katie, how the hell are you? <laughs> Happy International Women's and Whatevs Wednesday. I'm good. Yes, yes. <laughs> a uh, very happy International Women's Day, to be sure. Uh, go to today. I know, you know, Katie's here, so it makes this podcast okay. But go uh, and consume all of the wonderful Raptors content that is put out by the wonderful women who cover the Toronto Raptors. How about that, huh? Karina Mustafa, Chelsea Late, uh, Kelsey O'Brien, Savannah Hamilton, all on down the list. Kayla Gray, The Shift, it's all amazing. And uh, we are very, very lucky to have some incredible women covering the team. Katie, of course, you are uh, very much in that group. Uh, Katie, let's talk about the Raptors, shall we? They mm-hmm. have uh, gone 6-4 and four since the arrival of Jakobertl. Their offense is 22nd in the league, which has been a little bit of uh, you know a sore spot, but they've had their moments, as, of course, against the Nuggets. They look pretty damn good on that end. On the defensive side of the ball, things have been markedly improved, I'd say. They're 12th uh, per NBA.com right now since the arrival of Jakobertl on defense. In the last two weeks, they are 7th, if you look at cleaning the glasses numbers, which is very promising. Um, but let's begin just sort of... Uh, What's like the biggest thing you think you've learned that that we've learned as a collective Raptors watching fan base about the Raptors in these last 10 games? What comes to mind for you? Uh, I think it's that things are in flux and I will further explain that because I know that's a point that's just like if it sounds fake, but mm-hmm. um, there was a point in the season when like things were very stagnant for this team. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing was changing. Uh, the team was kind of dying for a change on multiple fronts, but now, uh, like all the changes you've made, plus just this kind of like open opportunity for things to get markedly better. 
-hmm. from here. Uh, but like generally that this is a team that now has some options, I yeah. think has been the most striking thing to me, you know, like whether that's rotational options, whether you've got some like depth options coming off the bench, mm -hmm. uh, just like, I think, like mood options it yeah. doesn't have to be miserable <laughs> you know every night um yeah i think that you can see this team also have uh like tenacity options through they are still you know got to work on closing out games but the mm -hmm. fact that there are different gears now so this is what i mean when i say we've got some flexibility my mm -hmm. new favorite website tankathon <laughs> <laughs> which I had to refer to for something I'm writing about the Raptors a bit earlier this morning. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it tells you who's got the toughest schedule. And, like, right. two days ago, the Raptors were – or, like, a day ago, they were second. Like, I think two days before that, they were first. Now they're sixth. But yeah. to me, the thing that strikes me, obviously, that has to do with the games that are shifting and changing and all the other – the other way that like teams are being ranked and playing throughout the season. But also, I think, for the Raptors, that's a markedly improved differential – because mm. it means that, you know what, as we saw against the Nuggets or a team like the Lakers, who are winning and playing pretty well right now, but like the Clippers, you know, this next kind of batch of games don't seem as troublesome yeah. as they would have, you know, a week, two weeks ago. Certainly if we're going back to like two months ago. But I mm -hmm. think that sort of flexibility has been something that's really stuck out to me. Yeah, I think, you know, we've seen that manifested in like they've used multiple different lineups to close games mm -hmm. and, and, you know, kind of based on the situation. What a delight that's been <laughs> like, oh, what? you could play more than the same five guys at the yeah. same you know, <laughs> same exact games, game plan and, and play style. What a what a revelation. Um, like you said, I think we've seen the rotations kind of find some, you know, it's, it's the weird thing in that there's all this change going on. But the one thing that seems to have kind of found some stasis and some, you know, just reliability is the fact that you have like a deep rotation now. And that is where all those different options kind of are born out of. It's uh, it's pretty fun. I think for me, Katie, as far as like things we've learned here, it, it, this is very much tied to the state of flux around the team and you know the changing way in which they play. I do think we've learned that it's probably going to take a little time here for one guy in particular to kind of settle in, and that's Pascal Siakam. Mm -hmm. um, you know, his numbers have been down over the last little while here. His efficiency has been a little bit off the last week or so, and I think that is very much tied to the team, for the better, changing the way they play. But it's putting, I think, the biggest onus on Pascal to kind of change what his habits have been throughout the season. Because you think back before Jakob Pertl's arrival, you know, more so, I think, into the first, you know, the first half of the season before the turn to January, I would say, when Fred Van Vliet kind of picked up his game. Mm -hmm. But for the most part this year, most good Raptors possessions on offense have flowed through Pascal Siakam or finished with Pascal Siakam more often than not both. And that's it's a marked change to how the Raptors are playing to not have him kind of be the engine for every single thing that they try to do on offense. And I think in the long haul, that's going to be a very good thing. It's diversity stylistically in your offense. It's not leaning on one guy to carry the burden for 82 freaking games uh, like he's freaking Sisyphus. Like it, it's a. Uh, it's it's a good change, but in the short term, I think this is why you're seeing the offense maybe be the struggle point for the Raptors. It's just it's a very different style of offense they're playing, a very different brand. And mm -hmm. Pascal, I think, has kind of seen the biggest change. You want some numbers, Katie? I'll throw some numbers at you. Um, 
Before Jakob Pertl's arrival, Pascal Siakam had a 27.8 usage rate, 33.1 assist percentage, which was like one of the very best in the NBA. Uh, 83.3 touches per game, 5.1 minutes of hard game, you know, minutes per game of actual possession with the ball in his hands. Yeah. <laughs> Just a smidge behind Fred Van Vliet in touches per game and, and you know time of possession, all that stuff. Since Jakob Pertl's arrival, 26.5% usage, so down about a percentage point. 25.7 assist rate, so down about 8 percentage points. 74.4 mm-hmm. uh, touches, which is down about 9 touches per game, and about half a minute less of hard possession as well over the course of these games as well. As we see Fred Van Vliet's touches go up, obviously the pick-and-roll action with Fred and Yak has been kind of the backbone of most good things that have happened for the Raptors on offense of late. Not surprising. It's a simple action. A lot of good stuff comes out of it. Jakob Pertle never misses. And so it makes sense. But you have Pascal kind of playing now on the periphery of that type of uh, action. And he's got to kind of relearn and figure out where his spots are mm-hmm. in that orientation. Curious your thoughts, Katie, on the way Pascal has adapted or not adapted just yet to the way they're playing differently with Jakob in the lineup. And do you have any sort of long-term concerns about the fit, considering it's looked a little bit wonky here. Obviously, the three-point shooting is not a strength for this team. Mm -hmm. I think they can kind of get around it with their big-to-big passing, and the chemistry is obvious when you watch Yak and Siakam play together. They could probably run more pick-and-roll with those two, for example. You know, lots of different things they can do, but just general impressions of Pascal Siakam and how his game has changed and whether or not there's anything to worry about long-term or if this is just a short-term adjustment that will mean long-term good times for the Raptors. I don't think anything to worry about. I'm glad you brought up the pick and roll because I think, you know, that's something that we've seen Jakob be so complimentary to Fred with, especially Mm -hmm. given Fred's shooting numbers, you know, and the high and coldness of them this season. You know, that's Mm -hmm. something I think that's lent to his playing just like capabilities on the floor, but like obviously his confidence and then his lending like a nice offensive booster to the team, which they need at all times. So on the same, like in the same vein, I think, if Pascal and Pirtle could work on something like that, it won't look exactly the same, but I think that mm-hmm. might be a way to ease Pascal into some possessions that he seems more comfortable with. Because right now what strikes me is a soft regression is uh, his like driving. It's like when he's trying to get to the basket and get to the rim, mm-hmm. he's doing the thing of not finishing and yeah. kind of, bailing out almost at the last minute and this to me is stuff that he did two seasons ago three seasons Mm -hmm. ago so i don't like that i'm not necessarily worried i think you've also got the difference of the spacing kind of around the rim has Mm -hmm. changed a little bit with Jakob. so if anyone if there's anyone you want to give leeway and i think like leniency too in terms of like the offensive fit alongside Jakob Pertle, it is pascal Mm -hmm. um also just like his competency, his general IQ. like Those are also things that lend to me not being that concerned or stressed out. Mm-hmm. I also wouldn't be surprised if the coaching staff has kind of maybe not asked him to take a backseat, but to sort of like there's there's pairings that had to click first, yeah. which I think was notably Fred yeah. and Jakob. Uh, so, you know, if he's just kind of watching and seeing where he fits, I don't mind that. I don't mm-hmm. mind him like lurking more around the perimeter like we've seen of scotty and you know precious because of what Jakob can do up close but no generally not really concerned i think you know this next stretch will be pretty telling yeah just in terms of opponents and the way that like the lakers clippers 
nuggets, actually like the wolves too, I think mm-hmm. just with the size that they've got like around the basket will help in terms of like, Pascal, you got to get there. <laughs> you got to <laughs> pointedly finish what you started. Um, yeah. Because ultimately like Proto's supposed to help with that. For sure. Right? He's going to box out and like be the post up kind of guy that you need to help out. So uh, I think it'll get there. I think it's just got to, it's just got to click a little bit more, as you said. Yeah, I, look, the, the analogy I'll use, I'll use a locked-on Raptors of lore, uh, like uh, way back in, in the history of the annals of locked-on Raptors, an analogy here for you. Remember, Katie, we uh, did a couple of specials where we read your wonderful uh, <laughs> classical Halloween stories and then turned them into like radio documentaries. Go listen to them. They're fantastic. The Phil Jackson one is an all-timer. Um, the Tarzan Boy by Baltimore is still embedded into my brain in a way it will never be taken out. But when we did those shows, we would lay down a track of voiceover where we read the, the, the actual lines and the story and the dialogue. That's one track. And then you got to build it from there, right? And I think you're kind of seeing that with the Raptors offense where they're basically starting from scratch with a blank audition page. And they're kind of layering in thing by thing. Yak and Fred as your pick and roll, you know, backbone partnership. That's the first track. That's the voiceover track. And then as you get more time, which they don't have a ton of this year, to be fair, and might have to expend it in next season if they bring back a good majority of these guys. But you got to layer in the sound effects for creaking doors and uh, potions in cauldrons, etc. Then you got to layer in Baltimore's Tarzan Boy very, very various times throughout the show. Then you got to layer in all these other sort of sound effects, and eventually you get this full, beautiful project, which was one of the best things we've ever done on the podcast. Uh, go listen to it again. It's awesome. Uh, it's only in audio form, but either way... Um, that's, I think, what they're trying to get towards with the Raptors. They have the one bass track in there now. Then they got to layer in all the other stuff to make that offense really sing and come together. Yeah. And it just might take some time. And I think that's okay. Um, Katie, we are going to come back on the other side. don't want it to be the creaking yeah. door. That's the last <laughs> <laughs> Those are some, some of the effects in that, by the way, are totally practical effects. Like, I once recorded myself falling on the floor <laughs> to get the sound of a tumbling sack going to the ground. You um, we did a lot of uh, big commitment to that. Anyway, we're going to come back on the other side, Katie. Uh, let people go and search up those old episodes of Lockdown Raptors that, again, are only in audio form right now. Uh, before we do that, however, got to tell you, we're going to get into some more things we've learned about the Raptors, by the way. But before we do that, should tell you about our brand new sponsor here, at Locked On, and that is Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. This is very much a sponsor geared towards my interests. I love video games. I love games in which you can pretend to be a general manager of a sports team. I think we all love that. It's why we love the trade machine. And really excited about Ultimate Pro Basketball GM, the mobile game that makes it so you can live out your dream of becoming an NBA GM and managing your basketball franchise. You can do that uh, in a really fun, intuitive, on-your-phone game, manage every strategic aspect of your game, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft, and all the ups and downs of a season. Sounds pretty darn fun to me. All in this uh, in a challenging and realistic game world as well. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want to. And uh, I'm having some fun with it. We got a little Locked On League going right now with all the other Locked On hosts. Anyway, I can take it to our pal John Corrales over at Locked On Celtics. I'm going to take advantage of that opportunity very much on the table with Pro Basketball GM, Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. That is... 
Locked On Raptors listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So go make sure you go check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com. Scan the code on the screen right now if you're watching the video or look up at the app stores. Look it up at the app store. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. We continue on here with uh, Katie Heindel, Locked On Raptors, team every day, all that good stuff. Let's get into it, Katie. What else have we learned about the Toronto Raptors, uh, would you say? I-, I will turn it again to you to come up with your thing number two that we have learned about your beloved Toronto Raptors. Uh, I think it's good to uh, face your problems uh, and address them in terms of <laughs> you had one. In a absent center role, you addressed mm-hmm. that. You saw them. You've seen the improvements thus far. Though mm-hmm. I will say, what I have also learned is that Yakupertal doesn't fix everything, and mm-hmm. there's still a lot of looming questions. I think notably they'll have to get to um, this off season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I think those like what's more dire has become clearer. Mm-hmm. But generally, that things uh, can change pretty quickly when a team starts winning, when you start generating momentum, when guys start feeling good again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, it's been nice to see, like, it's been really, really nice to see some, like, I, I want to say, like, repaired, but almost some, like, budding chemistry in places where we just didn't see it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I, I think um, the idea that the Raptors kind of had going into the deadline, the front office's idea at least, of, hey, we've seen what this team is. We've identified the biggest issue this team has. Mm -hmm. We think there's enough here worth just getting a look to see if we can turn this thing around by addressing that big weakness that we've all kind of realized is the major glaring thing, the lack of a tall dude who can protect the rim and score around it, a novel <laughs> concept in basketball, apparently. But And look, they you could certainly critique them for maybe being late to getting that, mm-hmm. that addressed in terms of just like being too late in the game to really make a meaningful run at the sixth seed. The Nets won again last night. That dream is looking a little further off and, and distant by the day. Uh, and so you can quibble with the timing of it all. But I, I do think they have been proven correct in their assumption that you put a regular center in here and this team is going to look a lot more like we all thought it would at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think if you were to kind of begin the season, have, play full 82 with Yaka Pirtle and this roster, you're probably going to end up where a lot of people hoped they would. You know what I mean? Like, the Eastern Conference is pretty good, but maybe not as loaded and deep as we all thought. And I think you could argue that right now, on paper, the Raptors are probably like the sixth best team in the Eastern Conference and have played like a playoff team since Jakob Pertl came around. How the you know the lack of a playoff spot and the, you know the playing of it all and just sort of the general free agency questions that loom going into the offseason change what the roster looks like next season still remains to be seen. But I do mm-hmm. think the front office was bang on in their assumption that you put Jakob Pertl in here and this team's going to make a whole lot more sense, even if not everything's fixed. We've seen the offense fall off a little bit. The defense, however, has gotten much better. Jakob Pertl's defense actually has gotten much better as well compared to what it was in San Antonio. His defensive field goal percentage is, uh, you know, it was like over 60%, like 60.5. With the Spurs this year, he goes to the Raptors and he's at like 55.4%, which is better than Miles Turner and better than Rudy Gobert in their season-long numbers. So uh, really encouraging signs there, but certainly still a lot to be sorted out. Um, Mm -hmm. I I guess, let me ask you this, Katie, is there, 
Do you feel like we're any closer to knowing what the direction is going to be in the offseason? Like, you know, obviously you hit the three pending UFAs. There's the OG question as well, where his name was floated out at the deadline. And it seems like all sorts of teams wanted him, but didn't quite want to pay the price. Maybe Mm -hmm. they get compelled to by a playoff loss. As I pointed out yesterday, he's pretty damn good at guarding Nikola Jokic. I wouldn't be surprised if a team that can't guard Nikola Jokic in the playoffs comes calling at draft time with all the stuff for OG. Um, that's a question for another day. But, you know, do you feel like we're any closer to kind of getting the vision of what next year's team is going to look like? How do you feel about Fred and Gary and Yak's sort of role in what that's going to be as the pending UFAs? Uh, I'm curious your thoughts there. I don't think we're closer. I think Mm. if the trade deadline kind of proved anything, uh, and just to borrow something that Masai Ujiri directly said himself, which is that it, it would be great if it was so easy but mm-hmm. situations like that kind of show you the when your reality and expectations don't align with the team that you're either asking th- things of or trying to give things to, mm-hmm. which was like, granted, the trade le- deadline is a pretty volatile time and a lot of teams were desperate to make moves. Mm-hmm. Um, the offseason is, li- is a bit more measured, but I think these next 16 games for Toronto are going to be pretty telling because if you go in and like you win the majority of them, you treat every game as its own individual matchup, almost like every game you would treat in like a playoff series. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, then you're coming out. I think you're looking like a team. It's like, okay, we don't feel like it's so risky to kind of double down and reinvest in yeah. guys that have proven to be part of the core, maybe had a really rough start this season because uh, we didn't have like some fundamental components in our lineup in place. But then you also have this looming question, which I honestly think the front office is going to use these next games (laughs) to answer, which is, is this a team that has all season long underperformed or has this been a team that's actually just played to its capabilities Mm. and the expectations were really outsized. Right. Because again, like I, I feel like I've been banging on this drama all season, but we didn't really have expectations set. I'd mm-hmm. say up until the trade deadline. And then at the trade deadline, it's like, oh shoot, <laughs> we're in trouble. <laughs> you know, we need to set some kind of tone and like some kind of expectation of our guys that we have because it's also that doesn't l- lend a lot of clarity and direction in terms of roles on the team. So yeah. I think roles will get clarified if they do make it into whether that's like a, I think a play in situations a bit more likely. Yeah. Um, but if they make it into that, like, what are you looking at? One game, two games, getting into like a first series situation that could change some things too. And also like feed some momentum back to the team. Mm-hmm. The Fred question. It's weird. Cause like it's that to me seems like the one that's the biggest question mark, but then again, like you don't have a lot of guards of his ability potentially available there are uh, i mean trade trade guys can come up all the time someone can get disgruntled but as it stands right now katie uh there are zero guys who are as good or better than fred van fleet who are going to be on the market this summer so that's tough right and like Mm -hmm. then i think you know that is a situation where are we just complaining because you've grown kind of used to something and somebody's pros as well as cons and Mm -hmm. someone coming in is actually going to be markedly worse yeah right so Grass there, not greener, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> or like more readily available for somebody with his uh, skills and capabilities. And also generally just his fit with the team as much as that might have seemed strained at mm-hmm. points this season. Um, yeah. So I guess to answer your question, like, no, nothing. Yeah. Not, yeah, it's not necessarily clear. It will become, I think, clearer depending on where the team ends up. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And 
I, you know, on the Fred thing, I will say, I think if there is a guy we're closer to figuring out, like, the answer is to, like, will he or won't he be on the team next season? I do yeah. kind of think Fred might be the guy who's become a little bit more clarified. He's just been really good of late. And the playmaking from him mm-hmm. with an actual big man who he hasn't gotten to play with since, like, you know, you know, Marcus Gasol was a different kind of guy, right? He was more of a, you know, wasn't like a pick and roll partner type. He was more of a run stuff from the elbows, shoot threes, et cetera, that type of stuff. Um, it's like the first real pick and roll partner Fred VanVleet's gotten to play with since uh, Jonas. And even mm-hmm. then, that was like very, very early in Fred's career where he wasn't really being asked to be your regular pick and roll guy. It might be that he hasn't played with a pick and roll guy like this since the bench mob days when it was Jakob Pertl, who was his role man, right? Like, and I think... The clear fit with Yak, the value his shooting brings to the table, like as much as it's been off this season, the volume on its own is incredibly valuable. When mm-hmm. they're falling, it, it's a total game changer. But when you work in the playmaking elements of it as well, he's averaging like 11 assists a game over his last five. Um, like he's, I, I think it was Will Lou cited yesterday on the Raptors show. He's averaging like three assists per game just to Yak alone in the last five. <laughs> like that's crazy. And I. Yeah, I do kind of think it's coming a little bit more into focus here that Fred Van Vliet should maybe just be the point guard for this team next season. And again, I know a lot of people have their misgivings about Fred, but, you know, sometimes you can't get the best player at his position for all of the positions. I would argue all the time you can't have that luxury. It's not a thing that's very easy to do. And Fred Van Vliet, if he's the 12th best player at his position in the NBA, that's still pretty darn good and certainly worth keeping and hanging on to if you're not going to be able to get someone who's better than the 12th best point guard in the NBA. So I um, I think if I've learned anything, it's that Fred Van Vliet is good and important, uh, which maybe is not something I needed to learn, but it's nice to have it uh, refreshed in the brain. It's like reading an algebra book after you finish uh, your, your last advanced function class and you're an adult just brushing up on your parabolas or whatever i don't know this the analogy is, is losing losing steam uh <laughs> we're gonna come back katie come back on the other side dig into the final things we think we've learned about the toronto raptors over the last 10 games or so and take a look ahead to the last 16 we'll get to that in just one sec but first got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel, who are a wonderful, wonderful website. They are the number one sports book in America for a reason. It's a lot of fun. And new customers right now get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored to threes drained and everything else in between. It doesn't just have to be basketball either. They got all the other sports and lines and props and odds and everything you want up there as well. Plus, with FanDuel, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. As I've said, I'm not much of a sports wagerer myself, but when I do decide to dabble, uh, the same-game parlay is the way to do it. I usually go and sort of get into it when I'm at a game itself, and I want to juice up the action while I'm sitting in the building. always find that to be a pretty fun way to liven up the day, and uh, FanDuel allows you to do that with that same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go back to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA, and Locked on, please play responsibly. 
All right, we continue on here. Katie Heindel from Dime, Up Rocks. Wait, that's the same website. Uh, Dime, Basketball Feelings, <laughs> the New York Up Times. Rocks, it's okay. You're, there you you're go. Right. All right, there we go. Uh, yeah, uh, learning stuff, Katie. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're learning stuff. We've learned stuff, I suppose, is the better way to frame it mm-hmm. about the Toronto Raptors over the last 10 games. What else do you think we've learned? Uh, you know, we've gone through a couple things here. Um, you know, the, the learning that the, the Pascal Siakam adjustment period is going to take some time, that there is some new versatility to the way they play, that Yaka Pirtle's fixed a lot, but not all. What else do you think <laughs> we have learned about the Toronto Raptors since the arrival of one Yaka Pirtle? I think we've learned that this is a team that can still punch up, you know, and mm-hmm. still seems to really flourish when they're playing against better teams. Mm-hmm. That definitely was very notable in that Nuggets game. I did not mm-hmm. expect them to come out, you know, swinging in the way that they did. Uh, and also just like really digging in and trying to stay in the way that game ended. I know you've already talked about it, but it was really a bummer. Uh, stunk, kind of Katie. It's stunk. No, a good uh, <laughs> rule for a team that's not really going to get favorable whistles and for young mm. guys like Scotty Barnes. Though I will say nothing, that was like no fault of his own. That was Scott Foster's ego. But yeah. um, to not look for calls because you're not going to get them. You know, yeah, that's not, probably like, fair. To expect them. Anyway, mm-hmm. that said. Uh, <laughs> so I'm actually really looking forward to this next five-game stretch. You know, they're the only team kind of in this – jostling position they are in in the east right now Mm -hmm. every team trying to make the play in who has such a concentrated west coast trip yeah so it's going to be challenging but i also think it could be a really valuable slingshot for them Mm -hmm. to get on up out of there and like stop (laughs) being stuck shoulder to shoulder with like the hawks the heat you Mm -hmm. know the pacers the wizards like give yourself a boost secure some postseason what was I gonna say? Just like direction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reps. Um, Postseason reps. It's yeah, good stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I like that because honestly, months less than months ago, I would have thought like, and it did look like this was a team whose fight had really gone out of them. Didn't mm-hmm. really met like they were honestly playing with relief, like kind of a shrugging relief to teams much worse than them, but we're also mm-hmm. still losing to teams much worse than them. Uh, but now it's nice to just see them have that kind of confidence boost, right? And again, mm-hmm. I do think some of that comes with trading every game like its own matchup. Like, this nug- the next Nuggets game is going to look wholly different, I already know, from mm-hmm. what the most recent one did. But I think this is good. It's like it's nice to look forward to uh, these kind of matchups again. Yeah, I think like that's one of the bigger things we've learned is that the Raptors are fun again uh, <laughs> in a way that they were not at all going into the deadline. Like extremely just like grim situation it felt like. And mm-hmm. I do think, you know, we've uh, a couple things I, I think on top of all the stuff we've talked about here that we've kind of learned. I think one, we've got some reaffirmation that you know Nick Nurse knows what he's doing. I know it's not been perfect. I know there's been some weird rotations at times, but like, He's pressed a lot of the right buttons over the last little while here, using Yakapurtle effectively, knowing when to use him in closing situations versus when to go small. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think he's done a pretty damn good job kind of getting this team reoriented in pretty short order when that was a necessity, right? Not a lot of time here to figure things out. And it already feels like they've got some sort of stability and dependability as to what's going to happen each night. It's not always going to lead to results, but they have at least sort of like a cohesive game plan and you know guys who they can trust to play in certain spots of games 
bench lineups that are starting to really kind of percolate and look like something might be there. That's been really nice to see. And, you know, with all of that, I do think I've been kind of, you know, I, I felt this way for the most part. Like, I always kind of thought there was a good team in here somewhere, and they were more so playing poorly than just actually straight up bad. Um, I think that's been probably, you know, obviously Yak changes the dynamics and makes them a lot more potent, but I think that's probably been proven to be a little bit true. And I I think that there's, I, I think now there's like a clear direction to build from here if you decide to keep most or all of these guys which i would assume is going to happen like there's an upward trajectory that can be taken by this team this is not a team that you can just you know say is going to sit on the the the, the conveyor belt of being eighth place every year like there's upward mobility scotty barnes is a big part of that obviously um and just like more cohesion more Mm -hmm. time and reps spent together there's going to be something to build upon here and that's to me like what I want out of my fandom experience. I know everyone's like titles now. Give me the titles, titles, titles. Ah, contender. I don't care about that. Really, I want to see a team build something from the ground up or from wherever they start into something better. And I mm-hmm. think that is now an avenue I can see for the Raptors in a way I maybe didn't before Yakapurtle arrived back in town. Um, do you agree there? Am I way too rose-colored glasses here, or is there something here that's kind of like the roots, the foundation of something that can grow into something much more in the next two, three years to come, presuming most of these guys are around? I think there is, a, but I think it really depends on how the team, again, like to go back to like how the team's going to play through this next stretch is going to mm. determine whether they're at the precipice, I think, of what you're saying, of like something greater mm-hmm. or if they're at a crossroads and they're going to have to cut ties with some some people, yeah. you know, and, and really like redetermine, in which case you're probably not looking uh, at like a real great next season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're looking more for continuity. But I don't think you're wrong in that you know, this this team has always had some really great core parts of it. And mm-hmm. those haven't, like those fundamental people have not changed. Uh, and they will continue to get, you know, somebody like Scotty Barnes, Precious Achua, uh, even Pascal and OG, like they're going to continue to get better. Mm-hmm. Those are just, those are facts. Whether mm-hmm. that's with the Raptors or not, those are facts. So mm-hmm. I think you want to hedge your bets on retaining the people who are going to get better if you can i was going to say who are going to be the best at getting better but um <laughs> i feel like we've been we've we reached the end of uh the show <laughs> uh yeah obviously there's still a lot to be determined the off season like the raptors have put themselves in a position where they have a very tight needle to thread and mm-hmm. it's it could blow up in their faces spectacularly if they don't manage this right but uh, you know i've tried to all season long, think about the 2013 through 2015 stretch for the Raptors, right? And, you know, I kind of have compared last season a lot to that 2013-14 year where they really go on a late surge and it it becomes this like super fun rollicking team and everyone's very excited and they lose in the playoffs and kind of learn a little bit along the way that they're just not quite there Mm -hmm. and this year is not going to finish with a top four seed and home court in the playoffs but I do think a sweep to the Wizards and whatever the hell this season has been so far and however it's going to end pretty comparable in terms of like things that could make you really change your franchise's direction if you really wanted to go that way 
And they were proven, I think, correct in not blowing things up after the sweep to the Wizards and believing in the power of patience and building from within and building a culture Mm -hmm. and sort of, again, kind of layering in competence year over year over year to the point where you're a perennial, very good team. And that, I think, is kind of the end goal for, it should be the end goal for most franchises, is get to the point where you're a perennial, very good team, and that puts you in the position where you can strike if a trade becomes available or weird stuff happens in your conference and there opens up a pathway to a conference finals or a finals. That, to me, is like the way more tried-and-true way to build a legitimate team as opposed to just selling out entirely to try to get one of the five best players in the league in the draft by happenstance. Mm -hmm. And I think that's now very much back on the table with the way these last 10 games have gone and just the the, the glimpses we've seen. It's not going to be a finished product by the end of this season. I can promise you that. The offense is probably going to drag them down quite a bit. The defense is going to have to carry their asses on some nights. Um, But like, there's something here and if you told me that we're looking at this team coming in next year and maybe adding someone in the offseason, don't forget Otto Porter Jr. potentially coming back next year as well. If you told me this team goes and wins 54 games next season and kind of replicates what they did in 2015-16, where they were one of the darlings of the Eastern Conference and that was one of the most fun seasons you'll ever have, I wouldn't be shocked by that. It takes a lot. The Eastern Conference is very good. There's a lot of really good teams. It's not just one LeBron-led team that's kind of owning the conference. There are two or three monsters up there. But things change. The Sixers could be nothing by this time next year. They're probably going to bow out in glorious fashion in the playoffs. And what that's going to mean, who the hell knows. Uh, I I think there's the pathway here for that sort of year-over-year incremental growth and sort of adding to your competency and your equity as a potential contender and all of that. And uh, I think that, to me, has been one of the bigger takeaways from the last 10 games or so. Maybe I'm far too optimistic, Katie. I would not be the first time that's happened on this year podcast. But that's how I feel. Uh, any parting shots, Katie, before we round out this show? No. Nope. Awesome. Right on. <laughs> uh, what can people uh, look for from you uh, in terms of all of your wonderful writing and other work? Well, as I alluded to earlier, I will have um, something that I wrote about the Raptors actually on this next stretch of the season, uh, probably out later today on Gaming Society. So you can look for it there. Awesome. Uh, Basketball feelings as well. It's the very best. Uh, Can't recommend subscribing enough. And uh, I'm a paid subscriber. It's well worth your money. Go go do it, all right? Uh, We'll wrap it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked on Leafs as the Buds uh, had a nice win last night over New Jersey. They're looking good. Mitch Marner scoring dangling goals. They got some injury issues. Mike and Dave over there on Locked on Leafs are breaking it all down for you and giving you that daily dose of Leafs information and analysis that uh, you come to know and love from our Locked On family. And uh, thank you so much, as always, for supporting this show. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. It's always appreciated when you do that. We'll talk to you again tomorrow as Jamar Hines will be along to break down Raptors Clippers. Should be a fun one, unless the Clippers decide to not play any of their guys, which they're very much liable to do. Uh, Either way, we'll break it down tomorrow with Jamar. Thanks so much for hanging. Bye-bye.